Hello and welcome to Access Granted. Uh, this is the podcast all about accessibility in video games and the conversations around them. Uh, I'm Steve Saylor, the host, and I've got a very special bonus episode today. Um, I wish it was uh, coming in in sort of like a fun, uh, frivolous, and, and and hilarious sort of manner, but uh, today's a little bit of a, uh, a deep discussion in regards to accessibility and uh, difficulty modes. Yes, that conversation has come up again, and uh, I have not just myself talking about this, but I also have have a panel of amazing people uh, that uh, we'll be talking about it today. So we'll start off with uh, introducing uh, each other. Uh, Grant, why don't you go first? Hi, um, I'm Grant. I'm the co-owner slash mobility editor of Can I Play That? And I'm also a, a freelancer with bylines in IGN and the Washington Post. Cool. And I should say as well, this uh, podcast is also in partnership with uh, CanIPlayThat.com. Uh, we'll be uh, sort of promoting across promoting each other in this one uh, as we feel like uh, it's important for uh, for at least the, uh, us to be able to kind of uh, partner up with this. And uh, so uh, we also have Cherry with us. Cherry, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi there. Um, yeah, I'm a games developer and accessibility specialist. Uh, until recently, I was freelance and have worked on projects like Marvel's Avengers, Dreams, um, some unnamed IPs at places like Gorilla Games. Uh, I'll soon be starting at Ubisoft. And so, yeah, that's me. Cool. And uh, John, uh, why don't you go next? Hey, yeah, um, I'm John. Uh, I'm the creator and co-host of a positivity-focused gaming podcast called Super Deluxe Gamescast. Uh, I've also dabbled in freelance journalism. Uh, I've got bylines at Polygon, uh, or uh, uh, GameDaily.biz, and uh, IGN. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm everybody's game dad. So that's, that's kind of... That's kind of what I do. I just love it. We we have uh, three uh, three people who have bylines at uh, at, at the same place again, which is awesome. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, all right, so we're gonna be talking about uh, an article that was posted uh, in Kotaku. So I'll I'll be I'll be reading a little bit of it uh, just to kind of give some context as far as what our conversation is going to be about today. Um, but it was an article in regards to Final Fantasy VII. And uh, we, it's called, currently the article was labeled as the difference between Final Fantasy VII's easy and normal modes is too drastic. Um, however, the original uh, article was labeled as the Final Fantasy VII Remake's easy mode is way too easy. Uh, I won't read the full article if you want to be able to go to Kotaku, uh, if you want to read it. It's up to you. Uh, I'll give you at least the, the gist of it. It was written by Mike Fahey. Um, it was posted on April 10th. And uh, basically it says, combat in Final Fantasy VII Remake, especially when facing powerful boss battles, involves juggling normal and special attacks, destructive and healing magics, and strategic exploiting enemy weaknesses. Unless you're playing in easy mode, then it's just button masking or button mashing bullshit. I spent 40 hours playing for through Final Fantasy VII Remake, mostly on normal mode, the highest difficulty initially available, a no items hard mode unlocks after completing the game once. I burned through potions and character reviving Phoenix Downs as I battled robots, mutant creatures, and Shinra soldiers. I was forced to repeat many of the game's boss battles after my party wiped out regrouping, switching out weapons and material to make sure my characters had the right tools at their disposal. It was challenging, but never dull. Then came the dogs. Towards the end of the game, there's an encounter with a bunch of Shinra bloodhounds. It's not a boss fight, just a regular encounter between Aerith, Tifa, and a bunch of genetically modified puppers. 
The two characters separated from the rest of the party were quickly overwhelmed by snapping canine jaws again and again. There were just too many of them. I barely had time to get their ATB gauges to the point where they could use some items or cast spells. As Jason Schreier mentioned in his incredibly helpful tips post, there is no shame in switching to easy mode for this battle. After reloading the game from uh, over the game over screen five times, that's exactly what I did. The dogs, which tore my people apart time and time again, went down in under 30 seconds in easy mode. I didn't use spells. I didn't use special abilities. I barely had time to do so. Basic attacks, highly ineffective in normal difficulty mode, ripped through those doggies apart like they were tissue paper. I'm going to jump down uh, a sec. Um... I'm the last person to shy away from playing a game on easy, but Final Fantasy VII's remake easy mode is a joke, and it's not even the game's easiest setting. Classic mode is ver is easy mode. Only your character attacks and defends automatically. It might as well be a visual novel. If you want to fully appreciate Final Fantasy VII Remake's nuanced and versatile battle system, play in normal mode, except for the dogs, those damn murderous dogs. And there was an update posted uh, at on April 10th at 2.45 p.m. This article's original headline, Final Fantasy VII Remake's Easy Mode is Way Too Easy, has been changed to better convey our writer's issue with this particular easy mode. So that's the article in question. Obviously, it blew up on uh, Twitter over the past couple of days. And uh, Grant and I thought it would be best to sit down, discuss it, and have a panel discussion uh, about difficulty modes, about the article in question. Um, but Grant, I wanted to start off with you uh, and ask you, because I think you, you've you interacted with uh, the author uh, of this article, correct? So we had a brief Twitter exchange. I wouldn't really go into and say we've interacted. But I'm coming at this from the perspective of a journalist. But I understand this is Mike's opinion, right? I get that. But the thing that really bothered me about this is rather than either apologize or simply just not make the argument, he kept digging deeper and deeper and deeper as if trying to justify it without essentially reading the room. Because this argument has been going on for, what, a full year now about easy mode video games? And, and all the press knows like how how much attention it draws. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, Cherry, what what are your thoughts? Um, it's a conversation that's actually been going on for many many years in uh, games accessibility. Specifically, uh, it crops up every now and then. When it first became like really big news was with Cuphead. Um, it was it was on on and off before then even, but Cuphead was the first time that like the games press started paying attention to it um, and kind of doing the subject a lot better disservice, which I think is what this article is for me. Um, so. <laughs> Plug. I also have an IGN byline. Um, <laughs> I was going to get to that. <laughs> but but, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. We all do, apparently. Um, but yeah, so the article I wrote on this really looks at uh, how talking about difficulty modes in like a more nuanced fashion does the topic a lot more justice. So I actually don't think that this article is flat out wrong. Like I'm one of those people that's like, I understand the point that's trying to be made and I, I know what they're talking about from a game design perspective. And it is very interesting as a game designer in that 
difficulty is really about the feel of the game. It's not really about like, like difficulty isn't a quantifiable thing. It's relative to the individual. It's not really the thing that people think it is. It's not as solid a concept as a lot of people seem to give it weight. Like they think it's um, totally objective, but it's really not. It's a very subjective feeling that you get when you're playing a game. And so I think what the article is trying to say is that there needs to be a step between the easy mode and the normal mode. And I think that's what that's that's kind of what is the good part of the article that like I think there is some discussion in there that the the feel isn't right for a lot of people but what it ignores is the wider experience of different mm -hmm. types of interaction um, and it kind of comes from this perspective that everyone's the same which obviously we know is is really not true right John so like right off the bat, I want to lead with, you know, I've got a healthy amount of respect for Mike Faye, uh, both as a journalist as, uh, and as a person. Um, I don't think he, I mean, obviously he wasn't trying to be malicious or anything. I mean, it was uh, the way I took it. Um, one, the, the original title of the article was bad. It was just, it was just a bad title. And I actually don't think it did the actual meat and potatoes of what was saying any justice um or any favors anyway um so i've read i've reread the article a few times to kind of uh gather my thoughts on it and i, I i'm pretty much where cherry's at i don't necessarily think it's the message he's trying to give so much as the way he gave it um because i mean because i mean easy mo like a huge gap between a normal mode and an easy mode i can see how that would you know, that would rub some people the wrong way. Or, you know, I could see how some people were saying, well, man, wow, there's a huge disparity there. Like, uh, why does normal feel, uh, you know, so grueling and as, as opposed to easy mode where I, I don't have to, I really do anything at all. Um, having said that, I think where the problem comes into play is, it, you know, there are, I, I've got a lot of friends in the disabled community. Uh, who without that easy mode would not be able to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. Because, I mean, it's I, I'm playing on a normal, and it's not an easy game. Um, you know, it's uh, it's no Dark Souls, but again, like, you've got to you've got to have... Basically, in order to play normal mode effectively, you have to have full faculties of your fingers and your hands. And, I mean, it, it's something that you can't just, you know, pick up and, and, and play, potentially, if you are a disabled individual. However that easy mode being as easy as it is, I personally don't really see the problem. Um, especially if you're going to play the whole game on normal anyway, and then switch over to easy mode to, you know, beat the five dogs or whatever it was. Uh, and then switch back. Like I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the best way to make your argument. Like I, I, I get what he's trying to say. I get the point he's trying to make, but I don't think he's using good examples to make that point. Mm -hmm. And, and in the, in the meantime, the really important signals are getting lost in the noise, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I I agree with uh, with all with all of that. Um, kind of even put my own sort of personal um, take on it, is that I'm I'm currently playing uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake mm -hmm. right now, and uh, I've been sort of hovering back and forth between normal uh, and easy mode. Um, and there was one point where I was in, I was playing normal mode. It's, if, if you play the game, I won't spoil it too much, mm -hmm. but there's a point in chapter five where you're in the uh, tunnels and uh, there's one particular encounter where you're faced against two guys with flamethrowers and then two gun turrets. 
on normal, I was I was dying like after 30 seconds, like every 30 seconds, like like I did it like I was trying to be able to get past it like five times and I still couldn't even get one person or one enemy down within that period of time before my entire party was wiped. Uh, and so then I switched uh, back to easy mode and within about 30 to 40 seconds, it was basically I had finished the I completed the encounter. And I was there was sometimes there was a period where I was close to uh, losing a f like a few of my party members, but it was an, like I was enough for me to be able to get past that particular particular point. And I do see where this article is, is trying to be able to say that there, to, at least according to the to Mike wrote it. And again, I'm not bashing him in any, in any way, shape, or form. I do see where he's coming from because I also see that disparity in it, and. I do, but I don't like. I, I I'm not upset by it. Like I, I'm like, okay, you know what? Perfect. It's exactly. It's it's it, this by doing what I did is exactly how I would prefer to be to to be playing at least this particular game. It was the option was there to be able to change the difficulty uh, at any given point. You you can uh, as long as you do it before you enter an encounter. You can't do it while you're doing an encounter, but you can do it right. Like if you die, you can basically come back. Uh, change the difficulty level and then go back in and uh, go through the encounter, which is great. Not a lot of games offer that. Basically, you, like a lot of times, you set a difficulty at the beginning of the game, you're done. That's it. That's the difficulty mode. Whereas with these, with this, Square Enix was able to put in that option. Uh, and as well, I do see that normal is is not necessarily like like John said. It's it's not an e it's not like it's not a easy or it's not an easier time. It can be a it can be a very challenging game, like on normal mode. It really is. Yeah, uh, and I definitely saw that for sure. Especially like there was several encounters with most more of multiple um, bigger kind of en like enemies than it is with sort of the, the smaller like say the the swamp rats or whatever. Like they're they're in the the slums right. like at the beginning of the game. Um, but I do see where that like I, I saw what Mike was saying, but I think that the 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 tone. Of what how it was read and how it was written, I think was uh, was a little bit off. Especially the easy mode is a joke, um, and obviously with the original title of the, uh, of the article, um, and I, I sort of I, like I definitely I don't know. It's it's one of those. It like I know it's sort of it's rearing the ugly the ugly head of the of the debate between um, what like how difficulty mm. modes can affect uh, accessibility. Um, so I, I, I don't know, like, I, I don't know. I leave it up to, to the group. Should we really kind of dive into, it, especially with like Sekiro or do like to provide context or should we, what, what are your all thoughts? Yeah, I think, I think the thing to remember is that like, there's a lot of outrage in how this is, uh, presented a lot of the time. And I don't think that that outrage is necessarily justified, but I think it's just a misdirected mismatch of what people's expectations of something is versus what they get. And um, this is a, a constant battle from a game design perspective is that um, how do you manage player expectations with how you're balancing, balancing your game? Um, and I think that this ability to switch difficulty modes is like a totally legitimate way to play, um, especially when you actually consider the original Final Fantasy VII, which was a really difficult game. I remember staying up all night with friends, hours and hours and hours, just like same boss fights over and over and over, trying different summons and like different party layouts. And 
I think that is what like normal is trying to achieve. And I think that's where naming conventions are really difficult because like what is normal to one person versus someone else? And what did the game designers try to achieve with that? Were they trying to recreate the original feel of Final Fantasy VII and its cha really challenging aspects? Um, and I think those are interesting things to look at um, outside of the outrage. Like I think, I think the outrage is the thing that's the most upsetting and has been the thing that has like kind of come and gone in this conversation that uh, unfairly targets disabled players especially. Um, and I, I think there's ways to look at it ignoring that outrage, if that well, makes sense. I mean, I can tell you right now, every single complaint I've ever heard about this game doesn't need an easy mode or, hey, look, some games just aren't for everyone and that's okay. Every single person I've ever heard utter a statement like that has been a, a person with complete uh, physical, um, you know, you know, not a disabled person. Uh, they've been a completely abled person. I've never heard that argument from a disabled person. Um, and I think that's very telling. You know, games should be, games should be for everybody. Uh, there's no reason there's no reason that anybody shouldn't be able to play a game. Period. Um, I'm not a fan of gatekeeping and. Uh, as somebody who has total control over his facilities, um, I want as many disabled individuals as possible to be able to enjoy the same kind of games that I do. Um, nobody's forcing you to, you know, nobody's forcing you to play easy mode. Nobody's forcing you to do it. So, so, so don't force, don't force people to play normal mode if they don't want to. I mean, it's to me, it's as simple as that. I think, yeah, it's about reducing that stigma, right? Um, and that's something I think Grant has looked at a lot, right? Like you've looked at the stigma around like this naming and and the way, the things people expect. Right. So um, I interviewed Josh Straub, I believe that's how you say his name, for one of my pieces, and he said, "There's nothing worse than a good game that you can't play than a bad game that you can." So there's no. So there has to be a fine line between accessibility features that work. And in my experience, I found the best features are ones that are completely optional. Mm -hmm. But once you mm -hmm. can choose to switch on and off, you don't need to play with them. You still get the same experience as everyone else. And going off what John said about the people who usually criticize that movement, to add on to the hypocrisy, they're also the same ones that will post videos and posts and threads about how to exploit certain game mechanics. Yeah. To win anyway. Yep. Or the so or the people grant they also it's there's also oh this boss is too hard or this section sucks it's unfair yep. you know it's too difficult but then again at the same time well this game doesn't need an easy mode and it's like well well hold on a minute <laughs> like right. I mean you can't. You know, you can either have it's not you know one or the other, right? Like either it doesn't need an easy mode, or it's or it's too hard. Like pick one. Mm -hmm. I think as well too. It's like um, like it kind of brings in the whole because because especially with this game, like Final Fantasy VII is a beloved uh, game, not only just within the Final Fantasy franchise, but a beloved game in in gaming history. And it, this is definitely a game that is. Like I, the Square Enix would wants to be able to have as many people play as possible, so I totally see that. Like that's why they kind of added 
this mode in. They want to be able to have it accessible for as many people as possible. Um, I am, I'm personally, and I think I'm, I'm with Cherry in this one. I also like personally am not a fan of the easy moniker um, or the easy, normal and hard uh, in regards to difficulty levels. I see a lot of uh, comments, at least in, uh, uh, on Twitter, that uh, it should like story mode uh, would have been a more accessibility abs- accessibility mode. Like, well, I have issues with that too. <laughs> oh, okay. So right. the reason okay. the reason I don't like using the word accessibility is uh, many different folds. Um, the main one is that there are a lot of people that don't think accessibility is for them, and so they avoid anything titled accessibility. They, they either don't think to even try it, or they don't look at it, or it's just stigmatized. Um, and I think it is stigmatized. I think that by labeling some things as for disabled players mm-hmm. and everything else as for others, uh, stigmatizes disabled players even more than they are already. And I think we should be avoiding that and being really cognizant of the ethics of how we approach these things. Um, I much prefer things like if we're going to look at like modes that are specifically to assist people, then I think assist mode is a good title that um, Celeste used. And Celeste used it in a really interesting way in that it wasn't labeled difficulty mm-hmm. because um, I think the the, dif- the difficulty with difficulty <laughs> is that... Um, like I said, it's it's a feel for people, and it's it's not really a quantifiable thing. Um, even though it's become kind of so used that people expect it to be a particular thing, um, and that's where managing player expectation comes in. So if it's a mode that's specifically tailorable, then assist mode is great. Um, but I think there are other ways to to name these where it could just be creative. Like it doesn't even need to be descriptive necessarily because descriptions carry with them a weight of expectation. And the problem with that is that like someone's expectation of what feels easy or feels difficult or normal is so different. And that's true for kind of a lot of different naming conventions. So I'm actually much more of a fan of approach where you just throw all that out the window and you rely on creative naming like uh, Jedi Fallen Order used or um, in the indie sphere way of the passive fist where it was just like a really fun, silly name. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you make sure you have a really good Mm -hmm. descriptor of the parameters uh, for players to understand what those modes mean. Because the thing about difficulty modes is from a design perspective, what they actually are is they're basically Tupperware containers. They hold various different parameters that designers uh, tweak and um, try different kind of uh, adjustments in order to recreate the, f- or, or in order to create the feel that they expect players to experience. And then they tweak that through playtesting and and even in office testing and things. Um, and exposing that to the player can really go a long way. You don't have to expose everything. You don't need to show your underwear, but like <laughs> you can, too many metaphors today. But <laughs> I, I, think, I think that that's the most important part is how you describe it and how you present it. The naming really doesn't matter. I think it's it's almost better to do away with, with expecting, expectant names like easy and normal. Right. And that's the thing, too. I think it's like, yeah, I think yeah. the easy, normal and hard has been an, uh, like an, an, uh, basically a mainstay within the video game industry for decades now. And I like I'm on the personal uh, like I, I think that, yeah, those like those definitely those terms need to go away. We're slowly 
seeing that um uh, like like you said with jedi fallen order and with uh, celeste and with uh way the pacifist like we're starting to kind of see that uh as a, a pop up and i was this kind of i was thinking about it like this kind of brings up an interesting sort of scenario do you think that in this particular case it, 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 is it possibly a cultural slash translation issue because because uh, at least the conversations we've been having about difficulty options has been from games from japan now i'm not knocking obviously japanese developers they create some of the best games that we've ever seen in video game history do you think it, that there is a bit maybe of like a, a cultural divide be, uh, between that and and uh and i guess the sort of the western uh, to use a, a, a non really great descriptive term but um do you think that there's a difference there or do you think that it's just it really is just kind of like depending on it's the in-studio culture i think i'm wary to to put those uh assumptions on studios that we don't really know much about that are very secretive and um lots of things happen behind closed doors and they're not very public with their studio culture and their creating culture. I think we have to be careful not to assume too much about game development. Um, and I think that actually is where a lot of these arguments get a little bit heated. And I'm going to say like flat out kind of toxic is that, um, that there is so much assumption on what intentions are or what developers want to do or all of this. And as a developer, I can tell you most of the time people are wrong. Like sometimes in a nice way, like sometimes like, oh yeah, we really pulled off the magic there. But like sometimes, sometimes in a way that like is kind of crushing because you're trying so hard to do the right thing. You're trying so hard to make this feel good for players and be fun and like be everything they expected. And then you don't. And like you see that disappointment, you see that outrage. Um, and I, I would be much more um happy with saying that like maybe japanese studios have looked at north american games and been like okay what what are these modes called generally and like what do people expect and so that's why they go with the naming and like i want to say that is that like there's nothing like fully wrong with using easy normal hard or or however because it is what people expect and it, it has become like a really common thing in the industry ever since like the 90s maybe even the 80s um and so like i think i think I, th I think we have to be careful about assumptions sorry no that's fair and that's what i was thinking like i was wondering i was leaning more towards like the translation <laughs> side it's just yeah I, and i think you nailed it it could be just they saw what western audiences sort of call those difficulty modes and just went with that um uh, John, I like. Uh, I know that you you're like you're one of the biggest JRPG fans uh, that I know. Um, do you uh, do you see that, or do you have any, any thoughts on the, on that at all? Honestly, uh, I don't really have the knowledge base. I okay, think to enough. to answer that uh, in a in a very intelligent manner, and so I'll uh, I'll plead the fifth as opposed to embarrassing myself. That's fair. That's fair. Grant, what are your thoughts? I think. Japanese development studios get a lot of bad press from the accessibility community saying that a lot of their games aren't accessible and that they aren't trying or that they won't listen. But specifically with um, the Nintendo Switch, we've seen that's not really true. There are so many games on the Switch which are so well done and they're so easy in a good way and they're so complex with their accessibility options. Yeah, I really think the industry 
from a Western perspective, needs to move away from bashing Japanese developers because they really do a lot in terms of accessibility. I will say this, though, Grant. There are games on the Nintendo Switch, like Super Mario Party, for example, that I think are probably virtually unplayable uh, for for a lot of disabled uh, individuals. Um, so I was uh, I, there was I, there was Super Mario Party and another one. I can't remember what it was, but I mean, with Super Mario, I mean Super Mario Party in particular. I mean, you pretty much are required to use the Joy Cons. Uh, and you know, you've got to move around, you've got to be standing on your feet at, at times. You, you have to have this whole range of movement that a lot of people just simply don't have. And, and, and I don't think they're like for games like that. I think the switch, like, I agree with you. I, I think there are a lot of games on the switch that have really gone the extra mile to, to focus on accessibility and, and ensure that everybody can play the game at the same time. I think the Switch is a double-edged sword in the sense that it is also incredibly easy to make a game on the Switch that is playable for somebody like me, but but completely inaccessible for somebody who who doesn't who suffers from any form of physical uh, immobility. I think right. that's I think that's true of all development, right? Like the we can't really generalize for an entire company, especially not. Um, the giants like Nintendo or PlayStation or Xbox um, because there's so many different departments, so many different arms, everyone's doing their thing. And I think no one anywhere is really hitting it full on for accessibility yet. Like no one's got there. Um, I think we're, I think we're getting there. I think the ball, ball is definitely rolling now. It's a really hot topic and that really helps um, with selling it to um, people that need to be on board to make it happen. Um, but I think that it is really hard to generalize. Like even if you look at PlayStation and Xbox, um, there's things that they do really, really well and then things that they don't do so well. And I think that's true of everyone. Um, and definitely it can feel really hard when you see, like I remember Mario Party being one of my favorite things when I was young. Like I loved it on the N64 and I was so excited. I was like, but I always injured myself because I injure really easily and that's part of my disabilities. And so I was like, how are they gonna like in the modern world make a Mario Party that I can play without injuring myself? And then they didn't. And that can be really, really hard to yeah. see for sure. But part of that is because like, they are different studios. Like it's a different studio making Mario Party to, I, you know, say another Nintendo title. So, um, and different teams even within a studio, and that can be really hard. And that's even with um, like Pokemon, the most one of the most uh, established Nintendo franchises, like took a different direction with Let's Go, and that was the first game in the series that was entirely inaccessible to me. And then with Sword and Shield, they brought it back to its roots. Yeah. So I was once again able to jump in and play it. I think it's also too is that uh, is that it's it not, there's nothing more disappointing than being able to like being excited for a, a game that you know your friends are going to be playing for day one and they're going to be like and and they're enjoying it and you can't play because of uh, some form uh, like what a, a disability that you may have and i've i i've had that happen to me many a times uh in 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 of course my video game playing life uh and as i'm certain a, a few years uh for you as well and yeah i think nintendo is definitely one of those that um 
you're right. It's sort of like a double-edged sword. It definitely like they do well in regards to accessibility, but they're sort of missing the the some of the important parts of the accessibility. Uh, in in that, it's just and I think Sharon, I think you and I both called it. It's accidental accessibility in in some cases, and um, and I think. I think definitely, um, obviously, we're seeing that, that that conversation be brought up more now um, than ever. But uh, I think uh, definitely, at least of the big three, there definitely are more advances in accessibility over the past several years and than there have been in a long time, um, which is amazing to see. Like, and even kind of bringing it around to the, uh, this particular sort of discourse. I don't know about about the the rest of you, but from from what I saw. Uh, online, there there hasn't been as much uh, pushback of uh, on uh, like as I seen previously um, when this sort of topic came up. Um, has any of you guys seen that at all, or no? I mean, from, go, oh, Grant. I, no, 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 Grant. I'm sorry. Go ahead. From the able-bodied perspective, or do you mean? Uh, well, I, I'll say this. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just my feed has been has been curated more th uh, than than most. Uh, I haven't. Like, yeah, I, I think I've seen uh, from able-bodied and from dis the disabled community have been really kind of be basically saying in this particular article that um, that they're pushing more for accessibility than than previous conversations about this about difficulty. I think in this instance, Final Fantasy is such a beloved genre that her franchise has been accessible air quotes to everyone so i don't think there's much of an issue but if you were to say dark souls for example or that has a very elitist mindset and attitude that's where in my experience toxicity comes up I think I'm the only Dark Souls because I've put 500 hours into Dark Souls, probably 400 hours into into the sequel, probably about 500 hours into Dark Souls three, probably about 500 hours into Bloodborne, and I'm I'm one of those people who's like, yeah, bring the easy mode on, I don't care, like it's not gonna affect it's not gonna affect my my enjoyment of the game, or I just won't I just won't use it. Other people other people will find it very useful, I'm sure. So I don't I just I just don't see the big deal. Um, as far as this particular uh, article goes. I have seen a lot of unified voices kind of kind of criticizing the article, but unfortunately, I see it for two different reasons. One uh, on on one side, you've got individuals uh, like all of us here who are like, okay, maybe now we can have a meaningful discussion on ableism and and accessibility in games. And then you have uh, the you know the flip side of the coin where where other people are also criticizing the article, but they're doing it from the perspective of you know. Oh, get good gamer, you know, game journalist can't play games, you know, like, and, 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 and so I think it's important to, I think it's important to throw those voices out and focus on the individuals like everyone here and others that we know who are, who are speaking, uh, in good faith, uh, and criticizing as opposed to mocking. Yeah, it's definitely out there still. I was just going to say that, like, it's. It's definitely there. Um, Final Fantasy has uh, many elitist and toxic corners. Um, it always has. It's any giant franchise that especially comes from like a nostalgic time or is a really long running franchise will have those pockets, unfortunately. Um, one of the most 
uh, harassment-fueled things I ever experienced on Twitter was when I, uh, Final Fantasy 15. I'm a massive, long-running Final mm. Fantasy fan from when I was like 14 years old. Um, I'm 38, I'm older than a lot of people, but like, and I've been into Final Fantasy so long and then Final Fantasy 15 came out and I always get the guidebooks. I always, I always like love those big books. Um, yeah, me too. Cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're just so beautiful and they're so good. And it's just so satisfying and fun to like really get everything in the game and like do everything and like do it in a way that like is uh, like a slow and steady progression. And that's always been how I've approached them. And when Final Fantasy 15 came out, there was a whole page in the book dedicated to accessibility. And this was where we first saw people, or at least where I first saw people understanding that accessibility is a wider discussion than just things like difficulty modes. Um, and that accessibility isn't just options. It isn't just difficulty modes. It is so much more than that. And there are many ways to achieve accessibility outside of difficulty modes. And that's basically what this page in the guidebook really like summarized for me. And I was just so excited about that as um, a budding accessibility specialist at the time. This was a few years ago, obviously. Um, and so I literally took a picture of my phone, posted it to Twitter and was like, how freaking cool is this? This is like, this is it. It's happening. Like it's in a mainstream guidebook and they get it. Like, it's not just like, oh, here's your accessibility options. It's like, here's all the thing in the game that might help you with the accessibility of Final Fantasy 15. And I, the frog Twitter found me and I think I got posted on 4chan or something. Um, it was, it was the worst, worst I've, I'm getting emotional, but it was the worst I've experienced outside of 2014, which was, you know, Gamergate. And um, it's there. And it's still there. Like it hasn't been as bad this time. Like I haven't been targeted, touch wood. Um, and I haven't seen anyone else being targeted in that way. Um, I think the world is a bit distracted right now, which helps sadly. Um, right. But I've seen it. I've seen it in the replies to like, there was that PlayStation tw post that got bumped about, um, sorry, my cat is here. Um, PlayStation post, post that got bumped and like if you look at the replies of that it's just it's mad like it's, it's so many angry people for unfortunate reasons um so it's definitely there i think we're doing a better job at like having the right people listen and that's where i've been really refocusing how i approach this and how i pay attention to it is i decided after Securo, after i posted uh or published that ign article that was looking at accessibility beyond difficulty modes and how souls games have actually been achieving some approachability and accessibility without difficulty modes and how they might be able to continue to do that if they don't want to use difficulty modes as a tool because it is just a tool um and so i after that and and that got some heat but it wasn't that bad i was like really well protected by the community um it did i got so much response about it changing people's minds and about the way the new, new positive way that they look at accessibility now and and what it means and how they understand oh it's not just difficulty um it's so much more that that was when I was like, okay, I'm gonna ignore all that toxic debate because I can't change, if I can't change those people's minds with an IGN article, I'm not changing it on Twitter. Like it's just not gonna happen. So now I focus on my development community. I focus on my fellow developers. I focus on helping them understand what it means and what they can do in their work. Um, and I think that's what we really need to do as a community. And I think we, I think that's what we're doing better now. This is a really long way, winded way of saying that, but that's why I think we're seeing more is, is that kind of progress. 
No, definitely uh, provide context uh, for sure. So, um, in 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 closing, um, what what would you like to be able to say, like in regards, like sort of uh, final words, like what can we learn, um, or what like for those who are listening or watching uh, this uh, episode, uh, and they're they're not sort of they're not sort of abreast of of the conversation uh, and sort of the nuances and the context of everything uh, that's been happening. Um, what are some of the takeaways that you would like to, for people to uh, learn and understand uh, from uh, this perspective uh, after after seeing this article come out? Well, as as somebody who is able-bodied, um, I would I would tell I I would speak specifically to other able-bodied individuals and say, if if the idea of uh, extra accessibility in games bothers you, then I would suggest you go out and actually uh, get involved with individuals who aren't as lucky as you are. Uh, I I used to I used to kind of. I don't know, uh, just kind of shake my head and go, yeah, whatever, when it comes to accessibility in games. But once you start making friends in the disabled community, you start realizing that, you know, there's a lot in my life that I take for granted. Um, and uh, and one, it, 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 it helped me grow as a person because I'm now far more thankful for everything that I have uh, in regards to my health. But two, um, I love video games. I it's they're, they're it's they're one of my favorite things in, in the in the entire world. And I want people to experience that joy and experience that same happiness. And some people simply can't. And once you once you realize that adding accessibility options, letting everybody play, once you realize that that doesn't affect your experience in any way, shape, or form, you're going to stop caring that it's there. Um, because nobody's forcing you to use it. You know, you don't, you don't have to play it. You don't have to play with accessibility options on if you, if you don't want to, um, just understand that there are people who cannot play these games, cannot have this, they, 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 who are being locked out of a form of enjoyment that you are not. And it's just not fair. It's just not fair. There's no reason everybody can't play period. So if, if you're an able-bodied person and you, you've, you're kind of stuck in that mindset, I encourage you to get involved in the, in the disabled community and really, this is going to, I mean, this is going to sound smug, but really, really see how, like, understand how well you have it. Understand how lucky you are. And some people aren't as fortunate. That's what I would say. Fair. That's very good. Uh, Cherry? Um, go ahead, Grant. I'm going to, I'm going to give you Okay. <laughs> um, I would say to be respectful of people's differing opinions, because at the end of the day, this was Mike's opinion on the game. He wasn't saying remove the feature. He wasn't saying this game is terrible. He was saying for him personally, it was too easy. And I know as a disabled person, I've played dozens of games that I have been fortunate enough to play, but other people with disabilities may not be able to. And whenever they criticize a review or a post that I make about a game, they're not targeting me, they're just saying their experiences. And you have to be cognizant of that. And just be aware that what works for other people may not work for some, and that's okay, as long as you're not being hateful and downright mean toward that person, then it's okay to have different opinions. Because the discourse 
that I saw throughout all of this was Mike was being unfairly attacked, in my opinion. I, I, I would agree with that, yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. think that, like, like uh, you know, all the hard drive mag are, like, the right. other one. And I'm like, oh, come on. Like, right. calm down. And I'll, right. be, and I'll be the first one to say I probably was a little bit more angrier, um, more at Kotaku than necessarily him, but I can definitely, like, I could see where it would translate over to, to Mike. And, and I have definitely have seen... Uh, at least uh, learn for myself that I, I definitely need to change that. And a lot of people, I kind of sort of see it as sort of like, that's just the Kotaku sort of mentality. Um, but it, in reality, it's not, like like you said, Grant, it's one person's uh, opinion on, on it and from what, what he experienced with it. And so I would, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll, I basically would like to be able to say that, yeah, don't, don't bash Mike for 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 this. Um, right. It, it's it, it it doesn't do anybody any good. Um, well, and as 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 Jerry can attest to, I'm sure, like dogpiling can can lead to severe mental health issues. Um. And and uh, so and we and as somebody who is a strong mental health advocate, we never want to do that, uh, especially right. not over a, a video game opinion that wasn't given maliciously. I mean, Mike Fahey himself is disabled. Mm -hmm. So so I mean, yeah. I mean, people need to. People need to really do, do some soul searching on this one, I think. Yeah, just remember there's another person on the end. I, I always like to say that about developers mm -hmm. too, is um, don't, don't attack the people. Like talk about the ideas, talk about the nuance. Um, and, and the one thing I wanna challenge the gaming press to as a developer is to just try to keep, a, take a step back before you go ahead and publish something. Like, for example, like the way we approached the article I wrote for IGN was we edited that for a solid week. We went through it and we were extremely careful and we tried to like give a balanced approach and it was personal, but it was also um, technical. And so like we had to make that approachable um, and like even opinion pieces, I think, can be approached with a little bit more nuance and, and a little bit more thought to experiences outside of our own. Um, and so aside, like don't make it personal but then in the profession also i would love to see a little bit more understanding of the nuance of accessibility that um so much accessibility can be achieved silently without it being labeled with a big flashing neon accessibility sign or without it being a difficulty mode like there's so many things in games that actually we're designing that aren't optional but are there to make the feel better for players, to make it more approachable, make it more accessible. And um, it's not always obvious. And so I think that's the thing that I want to leave people with myself is, um, yeah, don't, don't make it personal. Um, remember there's so much more going on behind the scenes than you will ever be able to fathom. Um, development is a secretive process for a reason because um, we have to be really careful about how we, um, talk about things with players and talk about things with the community because there is a lot of misunderstanding there is a lot of jumping to conclusions um and like i think it's fair to say that like people shouldn't have to understand the technical aspects of game design um and so we want to present that in a way that is uh, a benefit to the player we don't want to present it in a way that will create misunderstanding or stigma and so even if a studio isn't saying hey this we've done for accessibility that doesn't mean people aren't doing that. It just means that they're not necessarily able to talk about it. They're not talking about it for good reasons. Um, 
and there's always someone on the other end and just try and think about it from a nuanced perspective. Ask yourself, what do I not know about this situation? Um, this is my opinion, but what else is beyond that? What else is going on and, and what nuance is there? And I think that will make us all better at our jobs. And like, that is, that is what I want to leave people with, I think. Yeah. And uh, I echo all y'all's uh, uh, thoughts on that. Uh, you definitely said it much better than uh, than I could uh, ever sort of come up with an, an equivalent. Uh, I can't even get the words out right. Yeah, it's just I, 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 I needed a better thesaurus. That's what I needed. Uh, and so I want to thank uh, the three of you for, for coming on. Uh, and so before we uh, let you go, uh, uh, Grant, why don't you, like, uh, why don't you say where we can be able to find you uh, slash uh, stalk you online? Sure. Um, you can read my bylines in IGN, Washington Post, uh, and Can I Play That? Uh, and you can also find me online at SuperCrypt1994. It's at Super underscore Crypt1994. Cool. Uh, Cherry? Um, I am just Cherry Ray everywhere. C H E R R Y R A E. Twitch, Twitter, the internet. Just search it. You'll find me. <laughs> uh, and uh, John? Uh, Cherry, first, I want to point out that I am actually older than you, uh, so don't feel too bad. <laughs> um, Yay, OG be, uh, Final Fantasy fans. <laughs> yeah, right. I will I will be 40 this year. So, you know, nice. really, really, really. No, it's not nice. Don't say that. It really, <laughs> you don't look a day over 30, John. <laughs> uh, except for all the gray hair. Um, I'm blind. You can, I couldn't uh, see it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, uh, you can find me uh, at Mr. Megative on Twitter. Uh, Megative with an M, not an N. People constantly get that one wrong. And you, I would also highly recommend you check out our podcast on Twitter uh, at official SDGC, and we're on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash official SDGC. So please come. Uh, and speaking of podcasts, uh, I definitely want to recommend uh, a coming soon. Uh, John and I will be uh, chatting. Uh, we have an episode that we've already recorded that will be coming out on Access Granted uh, in regards to um, being in the military and video games and how uh, video games can help uh, those who, who are veterans. It's it's an amazing conversation. I can't wait for y'all to be able to hear that. That'll be coming very soon. So make sure you subscribe to Access Granted. Also, uh, Cherry, we've had an amazing conversation uh, uh, before. So if you haven't uh, listened to that episode or watched that episode, definitely go check it out. Again, search for Access Granted on your favorite podcast service and you can be able to find that conversation there. Uh, and also, if you are able to rate and review the show on, on iTunes, I know it's kind of the only place to be able to kind of rate and review it, but it'll definitely help out the show uh, and, and be able to get, get it to hopefully a much uh, larger audience uh, as uh, this conversation is definitely uh, important to talk about, uh, at least within the video game industry. So I want to thank the three of you for, for joining me today. We'll definitely, uh, Grant, we're going to have you on uh, at some point individually. We'll, we'll, we'll chat uh, at, at some point for sure. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be great. So thank you all for uh, watching slash listening. Uh, and if you want to be able to find me, I'm at Steve Saylor on Twitter and Instagram, youtube.com slash snowball, uh, access granted on every podcast service, and mixer.com slash blindgamersteve whenever I'm streaming online, which is random and don't have a set schedule, but whatever. Uh, thank you all. And as always, I remain obedient to yours. Bye, everybody.